With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast. Hour 2. Hello, America. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. I hope you had a great weekend and that you got blue skies wherever you are. The phone number is 877-973-7425. You can always text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777 should you wish to be on the program. Uh, happy to take your phone calls. Those of you on phones, though, do stand by. We do have news that we need to deal with. Mike Pence is out. He suspended his campaign. Uh, here he is speaking to the Republican Jewish Coalition in Las Vegas over the weekend. I'm traveling across the country over the past six months. I came here to say it's become clear to me. This is not my time. So after much prayer and deliberation... I have decided to suspend my campaign for president effective today. Now I'm leaving this campaign, but let me promise you, I will never leave the fight for conservative values and I will never stop fighting to elect principled Republican leaders to every office in the land. So help me God. Got a standing ovation there from the crowd at the end. I really like Mike Pence, personally. He's been a very good friend to me and my family. I say this uh, somewhat sheepishly, uh, embarrassingly. He was at uh, Church of the Apostles in Atlanta back in, I guess, July, I think it was. Uh, Michael Youssef's church, who's a friend of the Pence's, and they invited me to come sit uh, with them. And after it was over, uh, Mike Pence asked me to come talk to him in a back room. It was uh, I was with my daughter, and he asked when my wife's cancer scans were. I had no idea. And he said, well, they've got to be coming up. Karen's put her on the prayer list. It's like, this is embarrassing. The former vice president and his wife have a better uh, idea of when my wife's oncology scans are than I do. Um, they're just, they're wonderful, godly people. And he loves the Lord. What I find really interesting is there are the, the Mike Pence haters out there. There are the people who hate Mike Pence because Mike Pence decided he would be Donald Trump's running mate, and they felt betrayed by Mike Pence deciding to do that. And there are the people who hate Mike Pence because Mike Pence chose the Constitution over Donald Trump on January 6, 2021. Now, there are a lot of people who try to make excuses and say they hate him for other reasons, but those are really it. They, they hate him because of Trump. 
either because he sided with Trump or because he sided against Trump. Either way, it's because of Trump. So many people who have defined their lives based on their view of Donald Trump and interpret the whole world and how they view people based on that. And what is notable is that Mike Pence never burned bridges with people. It's these people chose to burn bridges with him. There are lots of people who say, oh, he's terrible, he's awful, he's he's bad on spending, he's bad on the economy. You know, Mike Pence was one of the original fighters in Congress to limit the growth of government. Mike Pence revitalized the Republican Study Committee and, and made it into the uh, conservative bastion that it was, so much so that uh, Republican leaders had to invade it and twist it and collapse it, and that cost Steve Scalise his job because Steve Scalise is the one who sabotaged all of Mike Pence's work to make it the conservative bastion in Congress. And the chickens came home to roost for Steve Scalise when he ran for speaker the other week because of it. Pence was the conservative leader, and people forget that. They say, oh, well, he was in the he was in the Trump administration. What did he do for the size and scope of government? Well, behind the scenes, working aggressively to limit the size and scope of the federal government, and he was successful in some ways and unsuccessful in others, but he wasn't the top dog. But I sure did feel better at night knowing it was Mike Pence whispering in Donald Trump's ears than someone else. You may, he may not be your cup of tea in politics, but you should at least appreciate that a man like that was willing to get into politics, someone who explicitly is a person of faith, who is guided by his faith, who takes his relationship with God seriously, and also takes his relationship with his family seriously, and also does his best to keep his promises, not always successfully. There are friends of mine who couldn't get over the fact that he walked away from the Religious Freedom Restoration Act in Indiana as as businesses were badgering him. Can't let it go. I am used to politicians doing things that I don't want them to do. And uh, Mike Pence did some things I wish he wouldn't have done. But I always knew that his heart was in the right place, even if I disagreed with Mike Pence. So here's the reality. He was never going to be president. He felt compelled to get into the race, but there was never a path for Mike Pence. There was never a path for Mike Pence because of what I said at the beginning. He burned his bridges. Well, he didn't. They did. People burned their bridges with Pence because he sided with Trump, and people burned their bridges with Pence because he sided against Trump. So when you've alienated those groups of people who burned bridges with you because of your standing with Trump— you have too small a group of people who are willing to be with you to advance your cause. He has struggled with his fundraising, and he has struggled with votes to get on the debate stage. But there is a place for Mike Pence. Now, I've told you all this story before. I'll tell you again. Uh, back in 2004, friends of mine, uh, Mike Krampaski, Josh Trevino, Ben Dominic, they started redstate.com, .org at the time. I rolled it over to .com later, but they started it, and then they put me in charge of it. And as my online voice was rising and I was a conservative trench fighter who was even fighting Republicans, I spent a lot more time fighting Republicans than Democrats just to try to hold them accountable for uh, what they said they would do. And they kept betraying their conservative principles. I got a, got a package in the mail from Mike Pence. I didn't know him. I knew a guy who worked for him who had put me on Mike Pence's radar and Pence sent me a copy 
of Russell Kirk's The Conservative Mind. Still have the copy. And inside he wrote a, wrote a um, note. He said, if you're going to be a, a voice of the conservative movement, you need to be sure what you believe. Mike Pence is a conservative's conservative. There are a lot of people right now who consider themselves conservative, but they're really not. They're, they've, they've confused supporting Donald Trump with supporting conservatism. A conservatism is about supporting a, a set of ideas, not a man. I ran into a guy the other day who said, you know, you, you, you keep me grounded. You bring me back towards the center. I, I don't view myself as being towards the center, but a lot of people do just because of the tone and tenor of what I do. I try not to be a brain biblical donkey on radio, uh, and and I, I, I try not to ground myself in, in support for just a man, but in ideas, and those ideas are conservative. Same with Mike Pence. Mike Pence is actually a, a rock-ribbed conservative who's helped lead the conservative movement for a long time, and yet he's somehow viewed as some moderating voice not because he's a moderate, but because he's not crazy and, or, and he doesn't want to be a brain biblical donkey. He wants to advocate based on ideas and not just throw punches. There's a time and a place to throw a punch, even Jesus did with the money changers. But that's not every time. That's the exception to the rule, which Pence gets. So there's a place for Mike Pence. And that place is a leading voice and conscience of the conservative movement. In fact, I would say Mike Pence's place is going to be a guardian of the conservative movement. His conservative principles are unquestioned. And at a time where you have loud populist voices trying to co-opt the conservative movement, Mike Pence uh, being a leading voice of conservatism saying this is not conservative or this is conservative, will be worth its weight in gold. A lot of people will resent him. A lot of people will challenge him. A lot of people will question it. And a lot of people won't go along with him. But those of us who are actually committed to conservatism will pay attention, will notice it, and will appreciate that he's there being that voice, being that conscience, being that person who says this way, not that. This is right and this is wrong. There are a lot of people who want to be moral relativists, even on the right. Conservatism can't exist with moral relativism, it's got to be grounded in moral absolutes. There are good things and bad things. There are true things and false things. There are right things and wrong things. And Mike Pence has a good head on his shoulder. He's an adult in the room, and he can be one of those clarion calls for right versus wrong, good versus evil. And I hope he does. I wish him and his wife, Karen, the very best. They're good people. They're really, really profoundly good people. Good moral people. They're the sort of people you want in office. The, the, and, and, you know, this is one of the remarkable things here is we have so many people who so often say, I just, I want people I can be proud of in office. There was one, and he couldn't get the support to carry on. He's one of the guys, even if you disagree with him, you should wish more people like that were in politics who were grounded in their faith, who used their faith as a limiting principle of the things he should not do. He should not advance because they violated his principles of faith. Ross Douthat of the New York Times once said, if you hate the Christian right, you'll really hate the post-Christian right. Mike Pence was a Christian in politics, bound by his faith. 
which meant that there were things he could not bring himself to do, even as others would call him to do those things, because in his conscience they were wrong, guided by the dictates of his faith. He was one of those politicians who he didn't cheat on his wife. You didn't have to worry about him. He went home at night to his family that he loved. And every day he got up and he wondered how to make the country better. And he will still do that just in a different way, a different path, and a different field. God bless him. He's a great, great person. Now, this makes for an interesting dynamic. Nikki Haley spoke on stage after Mike Pence to the Republican Jewish Coalition. You know, I want to first say um, just a special point to Vice President Mike Pence. He's been a good man of faith. He's been a good man of service. He has fought for America, and he has fought for Israel, and we all owe him a debt of gratitude. What was notable is that she came on stage after Mike Pence, as did Ron DeSantis. Now, for those of you who pay attention to the nature of politics and all, this one actually is kind of interesting if you pay attention to politics. Mike Pence speaks to the Republican Jewish Coalition, announces he's suspending his campaign for the presidency. Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis both speak after him. Haley alters her speech, goes off script to praise Mike Pence before the crowd. DeSantis never references it, and later his campaign puts out a tweet under his name. There's a lesson there on flexibility in politics and stepping away from the speech sometime, uh, particularly both of them, I'm sure, would like Mike Pence's endorsement. Uh, and Haley was willing and able to pivot off the cuff to praise him, and DeSantis couldn't. I actually do think there's something you should interpret in there about their styles and abilities on the campaign stage and her ability to do that and be pitch perfect in her praise while DeSantis doesn't alter his speech to reference it, it probably is one of the many reasons Nikki Haley is now tied with DeSantis in Iowa and ahead of him in New Hampshire. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number 877-973-7425. I, I need to tell you something. We are going to do the gathering again next year. Uh, we're moving it up one week to August 8th through 11th. It'll be in Atlanta, Georgia again. We'll be partnering with our radio affiliates to make sure folks uh, from around the country at the radio stations we're on uh, can can come and, and have a good time. We'll be focusing on taking back the Senate. Uh, the other thing I, I want to tell you, and this one is a, a, a particularly important announcement for me because I've been working on it privately, quietly, and I can now say something about it. I have a new book coming out. I've written a new book. I got the cover draft the other day. The title of my book, it'll come out at the beginning of next year, is You Shall Be As Gods, Pagans, Progressives, and the Rise of the Religious Left. I have spent a lot of time making the point to all of you that what we're seeing 
is uh, the secular left has become a religion, and it is actually a very old religion, not a new religion. The The rise of the religious left, these, these secular activists, the environmentalists, the abortion advocates and the like, uh, it is a very old religion. It is paganism creeping back into the world. It is um, precursor religions to Christianity. It, it's more reflective of Roman imperial religion than uh, it is to Christianity. It is based on nature. It is worship of nature. And these people themselves posit they themselves can become gods. They can make themselves male and female. And that somehow they can cause the oceans to recede, to cite Barack Obama. Um, this book comes out uh, the beginning of next year, You Shall Be as Gods, Pagans, Progressives, and the Rise of the Religious Left. I have been working on this for some time. The cover of this book is pretty awesome. I am very, very uh, impressed with the cover art that they put on it. Um, if you want to be notified when the pre-orders are available, because it's not yet ready for pre-order, if you will text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777, just text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777, you'll get some stuff back in the link. But in particular, uh, I will uh, save your contact info uh, when you do that, and I can send you a link when the book is ready for pre-order. Uh, so text Eric to 33777. Now, I got to tell you about Americans for Prosperity around the country educating people on Obamacare or Biden care and Bidenomics and why it's all bad and what we can do to fix it, what we can do to save the country, what we can do to reinvigorate and ignite the American dream. All you got to do is go to americansforprosperity.org slash Eric, americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. If you want to find out more, you can be one of over 4 million activists trained up by Americans for Prosperity. They teach you how to knock on doors to be persuasive advocates for freedom. They teach you how to explain to your friends why Bidenomics is bad and what the solution to it is. They teach you how to go to your local school board, your local city council, even your state legislature, and fight for freedom, deregulation, free markets, and free people. It's what they believe in, and they have over 4 million activists around the country committed. They're really organized in 36 states and organizing in the others as well. Americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. That's the website. I hope you'll go check them out and be a part of a movement bigger than yourself designed around free markets and free people and rolling back government and fighting for limited government. Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program, you're more than welcome to call in. <laughs> I have to tread dangerous waters now um, because I got to talk about the raw politics of the moment. Oh gosh, I know what's going to happen just by going down this road and I just, I'm, I might as well just like delete my Twitter account. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, Donald Trump has a lot of very aggressive supporters on Twitter. And they have a lot of apologetics. So what, let me begin with what is apologetics? Apologetics is simply a defense of something. You're not, it's not apologizing as in saying, I'm sorry. If you're an apologist, you're a defender. You, you give a defense. So Christian apologetics, a defense of the faith. Uh, when, the, when the skeptic says, why does this happen in, in one of the gospels? But the same story has something different happen in the other Gospels, and, and what's your defense of it? And, and there are defenses of it. A lot of the 
The things that seem out of place in the Gospels have good defenses based on writing style, who's writing, who's the audience, things like that. Like one of the very famous ones is uh, the uh, possessed men in the cemetery that the are ca- the demons are cast into the herd of pigs. In one story, it's one person, and in another, in another gospel, it's two men. Why one man in one and two men in the other? Well, if you understand who the writing is to and what the style is, and and uh, the you, those who are writing to a very traditional Jewish audience would have put the focus on just one person, not two people, because that was the pattern and practice of the day in writing. When you're writing to a broader audience, you you fill out the story more. You got a bigger story. It depends on the writing styles, things like that. There are apologetics classes to teach you the answers to the big questions, and people have apologists as well. Uh, the apologetics of the stolen election in 2020 is something I've just given up on talking to people about why I don't see 2020 as as stolen because they all have questions and claims and and theories. And those who are big believers are the most diehard apologists. They have all the answers and that they have the the, the quibbles and the twists of truth and things like that. It's just there's no reason to even engage. You won't convince them. They won't convince you. Why bother? Donald Trump has very hardcore apologists. Why didn't he win in 2020? Well, it was stolen. So how can he win in 2024? Well, COVID's not around now, so they won't be able to steal it in the way they did in 2020. It's re- it actually is impressive. It really is impressive. Ron DeSantis has his own apologists, and they may, in my corner of the internet, be more vigorous than those of Donald Trump at this point. Only Ron DeSantis can beat Donald Trump. That's what the DeSantis apologists will tell you. If Nikki Haley is rising in the polling, well, Donald Trump's not firing at her. He must not take her seriously. Well, yes, but Ron DeSantis wasn't firing at her either until she started rising in the polls, so he didn't take her seriously, and now she's suddenly tied with him. Well, it doesn't matter because only Ron DeSantis can beat Donald Trump. It, it's it's remarkable apologetics from supporters of Ron DeSantis. There is some truth in the apologetics for DeSantis. DeSantis' supporters are willing to go to Donald Trump more than Nikki Haley's supporters are, so if, if, Don, if Ron DeSantis drops out, that helps Ron DeSantis, or that helps Donald Trump. If Nikki Haley supporters drop out, well, that might help Ron DeSantis. The problem is DeSantis decided to put all of his eggs in the Iowa basket, and Haley put all the eggs in the New Hampshire basket. Haley is now ahead of Ron DeSantis in New Hampshire, but Haley's debate performances have caused people to give her a second look, and she's now tied with Ron DeSantis in Iowa in the Anselzer polling, which is notable polling. DeSantis, this is just the truth. Don't hate me for telling you guys the truth. DeSantis has declined. Now, you can say, and I do believe it's fair to say, yes, DeSantis had these massive poll numbers in January, but he wasn't a candidate in January. He waited to get in. And the polling declined over time. The problem is that he's now been in for quite a while and his polling hasn't really improved while other candidates, particularly Nikki Haley and Donald Trump's polling has improved. For those who think Mike Pence's supporters, of which there were some and maybe it's only three or four percent, 
But to say, well, they'll all go to Ron DeSantis now. No, they'll probably go to Nikki Haley. The people who are with Mike Pence are more conservative than populist and like Mike Pence himself. They're a little skeptical of Ron DeSantis's pass forward with his populist rhetoric. Those people seem to be a better fit to Nikki Haley. Every Ron DeSantis supporter I know is convinced that when any other candidate drops out, their support goes to Ron DeSantis. And the DeSantis supporters are the only ones who think that. Most other people are kind of convinced at this point, no. Chris Christie drops out, probably goes to Nikki Haley, not DeSantis. Mike Pence drops out, probably goes to Nikki Haley, not DeSantis. Tim Scott drops out, probably goes to Nikki Haley, not DeSantis. Because Nikki Haley and those candidates are more aligned rhetorically in style and in substance than Ron DeSantis. There's a problem, however. DeSantis drops out. His votes go to Donald Trump, who's already at 50% nationwide. He's at 43% in Iowa, who would cross over 50% probably if Ron DeSantis dropped out. And so all of that gets me to this. The big winner of a Nikki Haley surge is Donald Trump. The reality is there should be only three people in the race. Donald Trump, Nikki Haley, and Ron DeSantis. The reality is this is a race between Donald Trump, Nikki Haley, and Ron DeSantis, and it's not much of a race because Donald Trump is winning pretty decisively. Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis are only holding Donald Trump uh, beneath 50% in some state polling, if either drops out, uh, probably helps Donald Trump. And if both stay in, it helps Donald Trump. Donald Trump is set to be the Republican nominee the way this is shaping out. However, events change things. It is very probable that before we get to Super Tuesday, Donald Trump will be a convicted felon, whether you like it or not. He probably will be a convicted felon. Not only that, but more likely than not, Donald Trump will be losing a significant fortune because this civil trial that the Attorney General of New York is running against him with a judge who clearly hates Donald Trump is going to get the better of him. He will suffer financially. I think Ron DeSantis is right. Ron DeSantis was on TV over the weekend and said, you know, had the Alvin Bragg indictment not happened, this would be a different race. And he's right. The Alvin Bragg indictment caused a huge surge of Trump support and circled the wagons. And I don't know that all the support reflected in the polling is real, but I tend to believe that the trend lines of all the polls averaged together is a pretty good indicator of what's going on. And that still has Donald Trump significantly ahead. So Donald Trump probably going to be the Republican nominee. May God have mercy on all of us to go through the 2020 election again. Events change things, however. Uh, being found guilty, possibly being carted off to jail. I actually think it's, it's, it's probable he'll be found guilty, improbable he'll be carted off to jail. But the amount of money he'll be spending on lawyers and, and probably undergoing a breakup of his businesses, that could genuinely affect this race. External events will change things. And all the candidates right now are relying on external events, except Haley on her own is rising. I put this tweet up earlier today. Nikki Haley's rise is real. Her opponents have dismissed it so often and so loudly, they're now taking to airing attack ads against her. Her rise in Iowa complicates DeSantis's path because she outperforms him in New Hampshire right now, and it's more likely Pence fans go her way. 
the DeSantis fans are right now on my social media having an absolute meltdown. They make a good point that if Nikki Haley drops out, the odds of her supporters going to Trump aren't huge. If Ron DeSantis drops out, the odds of his supporters going to Trump is huge. And they're absolutely right. The problem, though, is that all this sets up Donald Trump to be the nominee because Haley's going nowhere and DeSantis is going nowhere. And that leaves Trump on top, barring external events shaking up the race. That's just the reality of it. But this isn't good for Ron DeSantis. And for all of my DeSantis friends, of whom I have many, and I like him and his campaign, you got to understand reality here is that his campaign isn't really catching fire like they expected. He's floundering in uh, the low teens everywhere. He hasn't surged while Nikki Haley has. He hasn't caught lightning in a bottle. He hasn't done the things he needs to do to maintain traction and support. Although he's fundraised well, he needs to start putting up some ads for himself in these states, and I think he can turn it around. But you got to acknowledge reality, and reality right now is that Ron DeSantis isn't doing fantastic and Nikki Haley surging. And you can be as dismissive as you want about Nikki Haley surging, but Ron DeSantis is not. I like them both. I know Nikki Haley. I'm friends with Nikki Haley. I know Ron DeSantis. I, I don't have a relationship with him, but I know him. I think Ron DeSantis would be a great president, and if you've listened to this program for the last two years, a lot of you think I'm a Ron DeSantis supporter because I talk about him so much because he tends to be, in my mind, the one who's best likely to hold together the Republican coalition while bringing Trump's voters into the fold. That makes sense to me. That's how I see it. But I also see my friend Nikki Haley doing way better than anyone expected and surging in the polling because she's hit the right notes. She hasn't burned out. She hasn't peaked too soon. She's continuing to surge. And I think Nikki Haley could also preserve the coalition and get some of the Trump supporters to come her way too. The DeSantis people say that's impossible. Only DeSantis can do that. I think they're wrong. None of this is worth arguing about. But here's the bottom line. If you support Ron DeSantis, you do have to recognize the trend lines and the polling averages are not good for him. And you can say those polls are wrong. You can say they're bad. You can say they're malicious. You can say they're PR. You can say whatever you want. But the trend line for DeSantis is bad and the trend line for Haley is good. And together... That makes a good thing for Donald Trump. If the election were held tomorrow, Donald Trump would be the nominee. The upside is that the election's not going to be held tomorrow. And because the election's not going to be held tomorrow, DeSantis has time to turn it around. But DeSantis made the conscious decision to go all in on Iowa. Nikki Haley made the conscious decision to go all in in New Hampshire. And Nikki Haley is now in second place in New Hampshire. And she's on the upswing in Iowa without having done a whole lot other than having a commanding performance. So how does Ron DeSantis expand the map? Because right now, Nikki Haley has expanded her map. And Ron DeSantis has not expanded his. And all this does is help Donald Trump. So the DeSantis campaign has some serious thinking to do as to how they regroup, retool, and advance. And if it's a slugfest against Nikki Haley on the debate stage, good luck with that. She's a great debater. She's held up against Vivek Ramaswamy, and she'll hold her on against Ron DeSantis, whose campaign has been mischaracterizing her position on bringing people in from Gaza. 
listen, this is not anti-DeSantis. And part of the problem is when you hear a criticism, a lot of people who support a candidate hear it as criticism of that candidate or you're against that candidate. I'm not. I'm just telling you the truth. We have two candidates in the race beyond Donald Trump that matter. One of them is trending up. One of them is trending down. And the one who's trending down is the one who's convinced only he can beat Donald Trump. And yet he's about to get beaten by Nikki Haley. So he needs to figure something out and stop complaining about Nikki Haley and the rest of us who are pointing out what's going on and figure out how to get himself trending back up instead of just screaming that the polls are rigged. This is just reality, even if you don't like it. Now, reality is also that we've got all this economic mess right now. You know, the Fed on what Wednesday or Thursday is going to be announcing interest rates, what they're going to do with them. Everybody's going to be watching that in treasuries. The markets are in turmoil. Regional banks are in turmoil. No wonder Swiss America sounding the alarm on the secret war on cash and the assault on our freedoms. You've got soaring interest rates, squeezing the economy, banks teetering on collapse. Swiss America can help you protect your hard-earned assets now. They can educate you on what to do. You should go read their report, The Secret War on Cash. Your copy's free. All you do is call or text 800-289-2646. 800-289-2646. The all-out war on cash includes digital forms of currency. It's spreading daily. So read The Secret War on Cash. It's free to my listeners. You just mentioned Eric Erickson, my name. When you call or text, just text my name, Eric Erickson, to 800-289-2646. 800-289-2646. You can also go to SwissAmerica.com slash Eric. That's SwissAmerica.com slash E-R-I-C-K. Or just call or text my name, 800-289-2646. Message and data rates will apply. Hi there. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson. The phone number, 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program, I would love to have you with me. Um, But it does need to be topical. We only do an open line on Friday. Now, we got to move on to other stuff. In, In particular... I got to tell you, just as a radio person, uh, I I can nerd out on this. On this day in 1938, this happened. The broadcasting system and its affiliated stations present Orson Welles and the Mercury Theater on the air in The War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells. an immense ethereal gulf, minds that are to our minds as ours are to the beasts in the jungle, intellects vast, cool, and unsympathetic, regarded this earth with envious eyes and slowly and surely drew their plans against us. That was H.G. Wells, or Orson Welles, War of the Worlds, based on H.G. Wells' book. I have a grave announcement to make, incredible as it may seem. These strange beings who landed in the Jersey farmlands tonight are the vanguard of an invading army from the planet Mars. People tuned in. They missed the beginning that it was a a radio presentation of H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds. And, um, (laughs) Set off a panic in New Jersey. The the Orson Welles had to organize a press conference early the next morning and apologize for alarming people. The FCC took no action. Uh, over time, it seems like the the amount of people who were thrown into a panic uh, was perceived to be larger than it actually was. But it was still a real thing at the time. There's no television. There was there was radio, and people were tuning in for what they thought was a a Mercury radio presentation, and they got an news bulletin that aliens were invading from Mars 
And this was in the run-up to World War II. There were already tensions, and this all happened on October 30th, 1938. Um, a, a very famous moment in not just radio history, but actually world history, the the power of the spoken world and, and the panic that was set in by people thinking Martians were invading New Jersey. <laughs> of all the places Martians would invade, why Jersey? <laughs> Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and community safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.